Hello there, welcome to the Business Broadcast Series. This is episode one. We're delighted to have you here with us. This is a series about estate planning and how we can help organizations, perhaps like yourselves, uh, build your growth engines and become successful in the industry. And so we're going to be interviewing some fantastic people who are in the industry, have been successful over the series. And uh, we're very much looking forward to introducing you to our speakers today. Before we get to that point, you won't know who I am. My name is Dave Newick. I'm the Chief Executive of Ark and Legal. Ark and Legal is the leading bereavement platform and that we provide software solutions to service providers in the bereavement industry in the UK. We also have uh, relationships in South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. We have a full range of different solutions that we provide, and you can check those out at www.arkin.legal. Now, for our very first episode, I am thrilled to be joined by Helen Clayton, Legal Services Director, and Ian Peace, Operations Director from Simpler Law, one of the largest providers of private client legal services in the UK, specialising in estate planning and asset protection. Helen, Ian, welcome. Thank you. How are you? Yeah. Great. Helen, uh, wonderful to have you here with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, good morning. It's great to be with you today. Um, I'm Legal Services Director of Simpler Law, so I head up the legal services team, um, our probate, conveyancing, will writing. Um, we've got an excellent team that I'm, I'm lucky to lead. Fantastic. Thank you. And Ian? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, allegedly, Dave, I make everything work. Contrary <laughs> to what my uh, colleagues will tell you, but yeah, as, as, as overseeing operations, it's really to see um, very much in line with what you guys are doing is how can we make this, this process as efficient as possible, not just for ourselves, but obviously as part of the client journey and effectively making sure that from the moment we, we get a new client, how quickly and efficiently we can, can we get those documents to that client? Um, and yeah, that's in a nutshell what I do. Fantastic. And can I just say that from in my observation of the simpler business, I think you're one of the, the leading proponents of doing that. I think your service delivery is uh, is setting the standard in, in the industry across uh, all aspects. And we'll probably explore some of that as we go through the questions here today. But the first question I have, and I'll come to you on this, Helen, uh, you've established a, a fantastic business with Simpler Law. Tell me a little bit about the business and the services that it provides. Yeah, so we offer kind of a full range of private client services. Um, rather than a traditional legal services firm, we've, we've solely focused on uh, estate planning and the services that surround that. So not only do we offer will writing services to our clients, but all the little bolt-ons that go with that. So we deal with conveyancing, um, we deal with court of protection work, uh, we obviously deal with drafting lasting powers of attorney, um, we've got a probate and estate administration team and offer a bereavement service to our clients. Um, all of the things that you could possibly need as part of your estate planning, really. Um, so we're a bit of a one stop shop. It means that we don't have to refer clients anywhere else um, and a client can come to us and make sure all their needs are met. Fantastic. And that's quite unique, I think. There's not too many organisations in the industry that are able to provide that full range of services. And I think you've deliberately gone out to do that, haven't you, Ian, when you originally set the business up? 
yeah, it sounds a little bit cliche, doesn't it? Say the client's at the heart of everything that you do, but that's that's where we put the client. And obviously, I talked a minute ago about efficiencies. If we don't have to subcontract, if we don't have to use anybody else, if we control the whole process from start to finish, by definition, the fact that we're controlling it means that we control every, every aspect of it. And that's that's where we can implement the efficiencies and look at what we're doing. I mean, Helen um, is incredibly modest, but the team that she's built and the systems that she's got in place means that that, that makes my job much easier, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. Between you and me, Dave, I'm almost redundant, but don't let anyone else know. <laughs> that's not what I hear, Ian. That's not what I hear. I hear you're the glue that holds it all together. <laughs> if that's the case, we might be in more trouble than we think. <laughs> How long has the business been running? In its current format, um, we incepted this business uh, just over five years ago. We've just passed our fifth anniversary. Um, the three co-founders, myself, Andy and Helen, um, we've actually worked together for a number of years before that. We just we realised that we had a lot in common, that our sort of goals were aligned, and we came together five years ago to create what, what you see before you today. So we're very proud of it. Wow, you've had some really rapid growth in, in that time. Helen, how long have you been with the business? Yeah, since its inception in, in 2016. You know, we, um, we originally started the business in a tiny office, not far from where we are now, um, with a handful of staff. And we're now looking to, to grow out of our current building, our second building, and we've got over 60 staff now. So it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey. You can imagine as operations director, Dave, I'm thrilled about the prospect of moving offices because it's, it's <laughs> such an easy thing to do. I remember last time we did it, I said, I can't wait to do this again. We actually, you, you said that we've had, had uh, exceptional growth and we have. We genuinely came to this office thinking this would see us for probably best part of 10 years and at five years in, we, we, we genuinely think we're going to have to move out of it, which is, which is a great problem to have, frankly. So we're, we're, again, we're proud of that. Well, look, I think it's it's really unique and if you looked at the the growth of that business and you've illustrated it really well there um, in, in creating a problem for yourselves and having to move premises but there's not too many organizations who uh, do what you do who have had that sort of growth from really a, a base level start mm. yeah i think um the background that, that we all have we we knew how to generate in inverted commas business i think um but we also now to look after our existing clients as well and and you know expand from what we've got so i keep using this word efficiency but that's that's what runs through everything so you know how, how can we make the most of out of what we've got and that that in itself feeds the expansion that we've experienced so again can't can't be prouder of what what we've achieved especially with me being involved in it the odds were against us frankly but, uh, <laughs> But against the odds, we've, uh, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. You can always do better. Well, look, I think, you know, the industry is evolving and changing, isn't it? And uh, there's new services, there's new opportunities in, in the market. Uh, there's new ways of delivering services. Uh, and, and you need to start to consider those. And I know that we have been talking about that with you, about how we can help you with some of those, uh, the, those new ideas. Uh, Helen, what was your background before this? Um, so I had a, a bit of a traditional route into law, really. Um, I kind of did the go and do a law degree, uh, did my legal practice course thinking, yeah, go on and be a solicitor. Um, and during that legal practice course, I actually found an interest in estate planning and property matters. Um, so instead of, of staying traditional and going to a high street firm, I decided to specialise. Um, I qualified through the 
Council for Licensed Conveyances went on and did the step diploma um, and kind of have, have never stopped learning from there. I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment, really. But um, I think the industry is, is moving so quickly. And like you say, there's always developments and new services that are coming about. And you just have to keep on top of that. It's, it's the only way to ensure that our business um, can cater for all these demands and needs as they come up. Yeah, look, I agree with that. And I think it is, it's a unique industry in many ways in that it's regulated and unregulated and there's different providers can provide different services. And so uh, it's interesting to anybody listening to this podcast series because they may well come at this from uh, different backgrounds. And we know that if we look at the wool writing community, there's a lot of people who uh, obviously are very, very good wool writers uh, but they don't have any regulation, and obviously, of course, solicitors uh, do. And yet in your business, you've, you've got uh, a range of regulated services that you can provide, and you've got a range of obviously unregulated services that you can provide as well. We take the same approach across both, though, if I'm honest. Um, I can't remember how many years ago it was now, Helen, but you and I actually had a meeting with the Legal Services Board, if I remember correctly. We were actually having a conversation about regulation and Yes. Whilst when regulation comes in, obviously it can be can be a burden because I think the pendulum can swing too far initially until it sort of settles down. I think we widely accepted that that would be a good thing for this sector. Mm. And without broad stroking, would remove some of those cowboys or those people that literally just produce that business card and then call themselves a qualified will writer, whatever that means. Yes. Um, and of course, that all ended in a in a damp squib. I think it was. Is it Chris Grayling who wrote three quarters of an A4 page and said, I think, I think we'll just leave it as it is. Um, but we've always taken the position that um, myself and Andy, certainly, and obviously you've heard Helen's background, we're, we're from a financial services background. So we've always worked in a regulated environment, you know, where, again, treating customers fairly and, and, and being compliant and, and being clear in your dealings with, with clients. We've, we deal we treat our unregulated activity, if you like, virtually the same as we do our regulated activity, and that keeps us right. And again, just ensures that the customers get the best possible service that they can. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction, isn't it? And you know, the business is now quite substantial. So uh, you, you built that from a, a base level of, of startup, effectively, over five years. What challenges have you found to be the, the toughest over the time of setting up the business? Recruitment, probably. Truthfully, I think um, expansion, obviously, again, another cliche, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So we're obviously, the better our staff are, the better we are. And actually, being based in Lincolnshire, we found as, as, as being difficult to recruit, as well as the county itself is, is you know, geographically large. Yes. Um, capita, it's actually, the, you know, there's, it, there's lots of field around it. And... Uh, recruiting the right sort of person and, and keeping that person on board is, is probably being one thing that consistently comes up and changing the way that we look to recruit. I, I would certainly say that's been a challenge for us. Helen, what would you add to that? I, th I think looking at the last 12 months, um, they've, they've <laughs> been a challenge in, in themselves, really. You know, every business has, has faced difficulties over the last year. Um, we're very fortunate to work in an industry where actually we've had a high demand for our services. But that, of course, has, has come with its own problems and challenges. Like any business, you know, we, we had that risk assessment. You know, we'd, we'd looked at worst case scenario. We'd considered things like, what if the office burnt down and suddenly everybody had to work from home? And we'd planned for that. But what we didn't plan for is that the equivalent of 
every office <laughs> burning down and yeah. everyone in the country having to work from home. So even just being able to get resources like, you know, laptops and things like that at the time um, was really, really quite difficult. But again, like I say, we're very fortunate that actually we'd seen an increase in demand for services, but managing that increase, being able to provide the same efficient service, making sure the clients are looked after, um, all those challenges while dealing with um, the logistics of getting the staff working from home. I think, yeah, the last year has been a challenge, but I think we've learned a lot from it and we've certainly grown from it. Yeah, I think that's very true, isn't it? And what a, what a fantastic thing to be able to, to, to say now we're on the cusp of uh, the, the journey to the end, if you like. Hopefully, of, uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> getting back to, uh, to where we were. So to be able to to say that now is, I think, uh, a real testament to to the real strength in your business that you've actually been able to uh, address these these surmountable challenges within what is a substantial business. It's fine when you're a one person uh, business who could uh, be quite agile and uh, and move around, but when you've got sixty staff, it's just uh, not quite that easy, is it? No, absolutely. I mean, I think I think we were quite lucky that that our model is one where actually dealing with clients remotely, we were already vastly experienced in that. And I think perhaps, uh, you know, we work with a number of introducers who are small businesses, you know, people operating on their own or with just a couple of staff um, who had a purely face-to-face -face model with their clients. And I think they faced some real challenges. You know, we felt it through our introducers. Um, and obviously we've helped and supported them in, in keeping their business going. But I think we were lucky in that respect that we were kind of prepared for it already. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, let's just start to, to think about the next two to three years. And we alluded to it before and that there's a lot of change that's starting to, to happen in, uh, in the sector and in the industry. What changes and opportunities do you see coming up in the industry uh, over that time frame, Alan? Um, gosh, I think there's all sorts of things that are going on. I think the biggest one that's on our radar at the moment is the trust registration service um, and kind of this um, almost kind of integration of further regulation and transparency. Uh, you know, obviously HMRC is saying that that everything needs to be more transparent and beneficial ownership in trusts. Um, but of course, for a lot of businesses and a lot of our introducers, they're now thinking, "I this is additional work and I need to be up to speed with this and understand what it all involves. And I think there'll be a few things that come up like this over the next couple of years, which will be, um, you know, where suddenly there'll be an introduction of a new, a new system that we have to adapt to. And like with the trust registration service, HMRC have said, yes, you've got to register all these trusts. But by the way, the platform isn't ready yet. So you can't, you can't start yet. And it might be ready sometime this year to be able to do that. So um, I think that's going to be one of our challenges this year. What would you add to that, Ian? <laughs> asking me about the future, Dave, is, is like asking me about fashion sense. I don't have that. I don't have that. That's, that's why we that's why we have a Helen. Um I think I think going back, I know you're asking about the future, but going back over the last 12 months has taught us that you can you, you think you can prepare as much as you as much as you can. And like Helen said there, you know, you plan for your, your office burning down and um you don't plan for the world burning down. Um I, I think future, we're probably all gonna have to be a little bit more pessimistic. Mm -hmm. and almost follow the mantra that I tell my clients to follow, which is plan for the worst, but hope for the best. 
So I think, you know, um, the trust registration scheme, I think we're fortunate when Helen mentions things like that, that we always see those types of changes as an opportunity. And we know that, that other people in, in this sector sometimes see that as a challenge, as, as Helen alluded to. Um, so for us, the challenge going forward is, 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 is what I said, he's planning for the worst and hoping for the best, almost being a little bit pessimistic about what, what's ahead. But we'll always see any challenges that are presented to us as an opportunity. We, we're quite good at that, fortunately. When I say we, I mean Helen. <laughs> I think I think client demands are changing as well. I think um, I think they we live in such an instant world, don't we, where everything's available instantly, and people expect that with legal services as well, you know. And sadly, the system is still quite archaic. You know, they've looked at developing remote attestation and perhaps the electronic wills, and the reason that they're still looking at this and consulting on this is that it's there's so many problems with it and to regulate that kind of thing would be a real issue and that's exactly why it's not been introduced yet um you know they they've introduced video witnessing for during the pandemic and actually that's created a lot more problems because the hoops you have to jump through to make sure that that will is still valid even though it's been video witnessed is is so much more onerous than just the simple attestation so I think that's that's why we've kind of stumbled with development and legal services is still you need the original documents you need the wet signature and that means that the clients still you have to manage their expectations I think with with getting the documents to them you know we're lucky we work on quite a quick turnaround um a lot of the clients don't understand that they've got this cooling off period that that they can that they can cancel during and they want their documents like within a few days of of signing up which is great that they're so enthusiastic about it but i think yeah i think managing client expectations in the future is is going to be high on the agenda as well well we're competing with a parcel a day keeps the sandwich away aren't we you know that that, that instantaneous. I want that, and it, and it is here within twenty four. It arrives the next day. Yeah, we have to manage those expectations now. You're quite right. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, if you looked at the population changes, we've got an aging population, and you've got this emerging millennial generation, which has uh, exactly what you're describing there, which is I want it now, give it to me now, and uh, if if I want to get a will, I expect it to be accessible to me and to be able to buy it online. And to be able to conclude all of that very quickly and uh, and easily. So why isn't it on my phone? Yes, <laughs> well, that's right. What is what is this paper stuff you've sent me? I don't understand it. Why is it not on my phone? Like, yes, yes. Why 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 do I need to sign something? Why does it need to be uh, a wet ink signature? I think very interesting to kind of see the different dynamics and the way that the industry and the sector starts to uh, to respond to these sorts of challenges. What I will uh, just tease out of that last uh, little question there was I love the way, and, uh, and I think this is a large part of your success, that you look at all challenges as opportunities. So if you looked at your rapid scale up and growth over the last five years, I'm guessing that that is one of the key things that you would look back on and say, well, actually that's a reason that we're successful. Yeah, I think so. It and don't get me wrong, there's some rose-tinted glasses going on here. You know, the last 12 months, I, think, I don't want to go through that again. Yes. Um, but, it, you, you know, it's understandable that when a challenge presents itself, you, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm just really selfish. I make it all about me, Dave. You know, when we've got a problem, especially if you sort of come in at my door because it might be an operational problem. I'm like, why me? Oh, this is so difficult. Why isn't life easy? And then you realise very quickly, well, 
if it wasn't me and life was that easy, I generally wouldn't have a job. So yes. this is actually a good thing. So actually, the, the fact that this has presented itself is actually a good thing for me personally. So give yourself a shaky and, and, and get on with it. But um, yeah, certainly in, in the moment and, you know, the, the various challenges that, that the pandemic threw at us, you know, with do, do we keep people in the office? Do we get people out of the office? We've spent, as lots of companies did, thousands and thousands of pounds refitting the entire office. You know, all of those were, were challenges, but um, we were able to book out the, 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 the good from it. You know, something that's really obvious, Helen mentioned a minute ago that we were already vastly experienced in dealing with our clients remotely, but we were 95% telephone base. You know, just the, this medium that we're doing today, you know, via, via Zoom and via Teams and things like that, because so much of the, the, the UK public um, had access to it, and we're starting to use this this uh, this medium. We've we've been able to to embrace that as well, and that's that's changed the dynamic a little bit because you know there might have been some clients that were reluctant to use us in the past because they wanted that face to face interaction. Well, of course you can you can do that now, you know. And that uh, whilst I'm a bit embarrassed to say that we didn't embrace that beforehand, that we obviously that that became an opportunity that we've now grasped with both hands. That's interesting, isn't it? Because if you do map that across the um, the generations and you start to think about the way in which customers are buying, uh, I would say, uh, Helen, that uh, this is probably a change in buying behaviour through all of the generations. I think we've seen this kind of massive shift now and, and I don't see it going back. Uh, things like oh. and Zoom in terms of the face-to-face is probably the way that we're going to do business. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there that have learned to use Zoom um, and FaceTime and all the other all the other platforms um, to be able to speak to their children and grandchildren while they've not been able to see them. And so this is just kind of one step on. So I think I think Ian was right. You know, people are embracing it more across the generations, and it's not just a um, a younger generation thing. But of course, selfishly as well, you know, pointing out the obvious, you know, we'd have no issue putting a consultant in a car and paying for them to go to the appointment and sit with that client and get back in the car and come back to the office or go to another appointment. You know, they might have done two or maybe three in a day and that would be a push. Of course, on Zoom, you, you, you know, the furthest you have to go is to make yourself a coffee in between appointments. So again, it comes back to efficiency. So yeah, that's definitely definitely an opportunity and uh, something we've embraced since since the pandemic. Uh, I'm kind of picking that there's going to be still some face-to-face, but that the face-to-face will be um, within a certain section of the community. Possibly people have got very complex needs that they they want some reassurance around, and that can be across the generations, or it may be that it's generalised within certain areas of the older part of the community who are used to working that way would prefer to see somebody look in their eyes and uh, and the digital medium just doesn't really work for them. So I think we're probably going to see uh, a, a behavioural shift, but yeah. there's, there's not going to be this kind of uh, complete uh, end to, to face-to-face completely. No, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. And I mean, that's that. my background is, is sat in a client's house, begging them for a cup of coffee, you know, so I'll visit them and, and holding my little charts up and drawing diagrams. You know, that's 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 what I've done for over 20 years. So, I, you know, I am a bit of a dinosaur. I actually quite like that. Yes. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. And, you, and, and also sometimes um, it's absolutely right that you sit in that client's living room because there might be things that you can get across a little bit better um, face-to-face that you, that you do lose over a digital platform, certainly on the more complex cases. You know, so even if a client's happy to do it, I'll be honest with you, sometimes we actually say, well, look, we will come and see you because we know that there's going to be quite 
quite a lot of in-depth detail to go through. So, but certainly, um, it's definitely definitely changed going forward. We're experiencing it now. Let's talk about technology. Helen, uh, you've been with the business since inception and uh, you've, you've seen obviously a lot of change in the business since that time. How has technology shaped and assisted the way that you do business and uh, how will it affect your plans going forward? I think you just have to be open to ideas. You know, I'm I'm not the most technologically minded, but, um, you know, between Andy and Ian, they, they come up with all these amazing ideas. You know, like we've got uh, an online platform for validation and, and um, you know, using contact forms on websites and things like that. Um, it's kind of just trying to keep up with everything. And you, you're right with the generational thing. The younger generation are expecting... Um, things to move a lot quicker and for the contact to be there. Um, so we've we've just had to develop with that, really. Ian, what would you add? Um, when are you developing the will app? That'll be that'll basically be you know I, I've got an eleven year old and a, and a nine year old son and I'm 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 easily amazed, but they've grown up in technology. I'm, as I said, I'm a bit of a dinosaur. You know, I I, I can just about manage. I can bum my way through. Um, I can find things out and ask questions, but I watch my boys who, who are growing up in it. You know, we, my wife and I said that we wouldn't spoil the boys and, and Zach, my oldest son, I think had his first iPad when he was two or three. So the fact that, so, you know, coming back to this, this question about what the younger generation are going to want, there is this expectation that they can just touch a screen somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and something be there available, available for them. And I, I think they've, the difficulty is getting this sector to catch up with that and that expectation. Um, as far as what we do, we just, we're always thinking when we talk about seeing these opportunities, um, we never sort of rest on our, on our laurels. You know, we Helen mentioned there, our validation service. We, again, back to efficiencies, our clients, we used to send out prepaid envelopes. We'd ask them to send it in. We offer this free validation service. We'd check it. If they made a mistake, we'd phone them. We'd do what? We moved that to an online platform and of course we removed all the need for post. It was instantaneous and the uptake on that's been brilliant. Um, but really, and I'm conscious I'm waffling now, it's really just keeping our eyes open to what can we do next? And when we when we have an idea, really we come up with the idea first and then look for the technological solutions to that. And that's really how we see, we sort of approach it. If any of that made sense, Dave. Oh, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think the takeaway from, from that is, again, if we map that in, against your, your growth, is that you've used technology to underpin that. So you know what you want to achieve as a business. You know where your inefficiencies are. You know the quality is just a, a mainstay of your business. So how can you use technology to deliver uh, the outcomes that, that you're looking for? And I think if you, uh, if you looked at those five years, you've layered that up, haven't you? and just got progressively better and better because you've invested time, you've invested money into delivering that or the view towards the customer experience. Yeah, and we don't, we don't do it all in-house. There's this small company, I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, I think they're a bit of a, a startup company called Arkin. And they, um, they provide certain will drafting solutions and we've certainly embraced that. Thank you. Yes, you um, are great clients for us and we, uh, we love working with you. Let's start to to wrap this up. Now, in every episode, I'm going to be uh, asking all of our guests the the same question. 
And uh, I'd like you, uh, if I can come to you first, Helen, to, to finish this, uh, this sentence for me. My best advice to people in the industry or those that are thinking of starting in the, in the industry would be? Align yourself with people who are working successfully in the industry now. Um, don't see everyone as competition. There are people out there that you can learn a lot from. You know, um, we work with a lot of introducers who have made the decision that they're going to invest their time and effort in seeing clients and doing a really good job for their clients. And that means that they use us to produce their documentation for them. So they don't have to worry about the compliance and the legalities of the actual document production. They can focus on delivering that service to the clients. Um, and I think that's really important. Look at the people that are working in the industry, speak to people, um, get on board with some good partners. You know, if you are going to be producing your own documentation, look at those software solutions that are out there because we rely heavily on the fact that R can provide this software and keep it up to date and effectively stop us from doing anything that we shouldn't be doing. So I think that's, that's really important. Thank you. Ian, what are your thoughts? Well, thanks for that articulate answer, Helen. That leaves me in the wind now, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I, I don't want to mirror exactly what Helen said, but I, th I think with any sector, but certainly this sector, is definitely trying to align yourself with someone exactly as Helen said. Um, I think if you came into this and, and thought, I think there's a risk coming into this sector similar to what our clients think, which is it's easy, it'll be okay. You know, there's still clients out there who believe they can write their own wills. So the danger is you come into this sector thinking it really is that easy. It's just a piece of paper and you can, you can write stuff on it. Um, certainly look at who you, your potential competitors are. And I do, I, I agree with Helen, look, the market for, for will writing is massive. We know that only two thirds of the UK adult population made a will. And we dare say that of the third that have probably a significant proportion of those aren't valid or, or even relevant today. Um, so the market is massive. There's, there's, there's plenty for people to go at. Don't try and do it on your own would be my advice. Um, definitely. I, my, my own personal opinion is wh wherever I've gone, wherever I've been in, in, in business or whichever company I've worked for, I've always gravitated towards the people that are successful and looked at what they were doing and never thought that I know better. Um, and that would be my advice. Definitely align yourself with someone. Don't treat everyone as a competitor and just see what everyone's doing. The great news, if you're new to this sector, we're all guilty of, you can become very insular without realizing it. If you come from the outside, that fresh pair of eyes can be invaluable, but you need to, you need to learn your craft first and foremost. So find someone that's doing it well and, and learn from that. That is fantastic advice from both of you. I really do appreciate that. And I'm sure that uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast will, uh, will reflect on that and, uh, I would hope that they would get in touch with you if there's somebody who's thinking of um, perhaps going out there and taking instructions and want to work with a uh, quality organization. So uh, Helen Clayton, Ian Peace from Simple Law, thank you so much for being part of this podcast series. It's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, to have you on here today. To anybody, Welcome. to anybody who's listening to the, uh, to the podcast, thank you so much for your attendance. Do look out for future podcasts. We're going to be uh, advertising those and running these around about once a month. And we'll be talking to people, uh, big shoes to fill, I have to say, with uh, people coming through in behind uh, Helen and, and Ian. But we'll be talking to other people in the industry uh, who also run successful businesses about 
how they've gone about being successful, some of the challenges they've confronted in much the same way that we have today. So Helen, Ian, once again, thank you very much. And to everybody else, goodbye.